Hello, and welcome to the Skeleton Factory Podcast, episode 47. This is Adam coming to you from Austin, Texas, and today I'll be taking a look at the 2019 limited series, limited mini-series, whatever they're called nowadays. Uh, The official title is Don't Fuck With Cats, Hunting an Internet Killer. But uh, let's uh, let's play a little catch up with each other, okay? Yeah, it is. Uh, it's early November currently. My last episode was mid October, and why the gap, Adam? Well, I I've been incredibly busy planning a out of state wedding and going on my honeymoon and. Uh, eating and drinking a lot on my honeymoon and having a grand old time. Um, it was really fun. The wedding was great. It was kind of magical, actually. <laughs> I'm not one for weddings, you know, and I kind of did as many things as I could to make my wedding not like a typical wedding. And it actually worked. <laughs> actually, it actually paid off. Um, but yeah, it was it was absolutely beautiful, and it was in California, but the honeymoon was in Boston, Massachusetts. So, you know, I had to do a lot of flying, considering I'm also I live in Texas. So, Sue, so, um, honeymoon was amazing. It was a lot of fun. Boston was a nice, uh, it's a really nice city. It's very clean, kind of. It's it's what I imagine every. Like with the idea of like a perfect liberal you you uh, utopia, like a urban liberal utopia, like if you could build one on The Sims or some shit, that's what it would look like. It's very clean. There's like two homeless guys there who'll probably end up dying from uh, exposure to snow in the winter, and you know, it's very nice. It's a it's a beautiful part of the country, and. Um, I uh, I wasn't aware until I got there because <laughs> I thought I planned this shit out good. But um, I ended up going to um, uh, Salem, Massachusetts for um, for two days out of the honeymoon. And that was great because I really wanted to go there for Halloween. And um, it was great. There was, there was like a couple of misconceptions I had. One was that... Salem was like a small, creepy town. And I think that's probably because I'm from California, where there's lots of small, creepy towns. I guess that's like that everywhere, I suppose. But California more so. Um, I mean, Texas is sort of like that too. But And the second thing was I wasn't aware that uh, Salem was... On, like right on the ocean I thought it was sort of more inland And maybe a little more secluded But that's what I get for not looking at a fucking map I guess But um, yeah Salem's great It's If you're ever in Boston You can take the train or the ferry Or you can drive And you can be there in less than 30 minutes And then bam you're in Salem And it's, just, and it's also it was huge It was I thought it was going to be a tiny town It's a fucking huge Like fishing port kind of town and um but it's not city like 
at all. There's no big buildings and a financial district and, you know, fucking Lululemons, <laughs> fucking Starbucks everywhere. It's, it's very, very, feels very much like a little local town. And it was, and there's a lot of fucking people there, you know. I think like most, uh, you know, public gatherings, once you get past about 50,000, <laughs> when you start getting into that, like hundreds of thousands of people showing up for one thing, it becomes a drunken shit show on the edge of of riot almost. And I didn't experience that at all in Salem. It was like every person I ran into was had like childlike wonderment in their eyes. They were just like, yay, it's Halloween time. Everyone was very stoked that it was Halloween time. And um, it was great. It was, you know, it was beautiful there. It was like a, it was like a movie. You know, if you're into, uh, I know a lot of, I know, you know, with with uh, Hocus Pocus 2 being um, streaming now, um, it's a very, <laughs> Hocus Pocus 2 is a very cynical movie. It's it's very much like a corporate, ca- like cash grab sort of thing. It's just sprinkled with, you know, a lot of sponsors, <laughs> marketing, and there's like an entire scene that takes place like inside of like a, I think it's like a CVS or a Walgreens. <laughs> There's like five minutes of the movie that's inside of a fucking Walgreens. It's ridiculous. But um, but they did film some of that movie, maybe all of it for all I know. I mean, probably not, right? It's easier to film shit on a soundstage. But uh, I think some of it they did in Salem. And, you know, it's a great place to shoot movies. So, But anyway, enough about that fucking stupid shit. Um <laughs> No, um, no, so that's, you know, so I've, I've been taking a bit of a, you know, taking some time away from the show, so, but I return to not cover some type of movie, some type of, you know, cult horror film or anything like that. I come with a fucking Netflix miniseries from like just a couple of years ago. But um, let's get into don't fuck it. <laughs> I almost said don't fuck cats. There's an internet series called Don't Fuck Cats. Um, no, actually, fucking cats does come up later. So, okay. Um, yeah, let's get into don't fuck with cats. Hunting an internet killer. Mm. Now, this came out in... 2019 and it came out like right at the end of 2019 it came out and uh let me check my notes yes it came out december 18th 2019 and what's interesting about that is like it's so this is right before the pandemic starts in mid-march of uh, 2020 so before the lockdown started uh, taking place. So there was Don't Fuck With Cats, which I, when it came out, I was like really into it. I was like, this is insane. And then, you know, three months go by and then boom, Tiger King hits in March 20th. So it was like almost exactly three months to the day um, Tiger King came out. So for me, 
I think that contributed to the like me having such a great 2020 because I actually had a pretty good 2020 because I just you know just fucked off and you know we spent a lot of my savings buying ammunition and gun parts and stockpiling weed <laughs> which you're not allowed to do in California can't have weed and a gun which is you know uh, part of the lunacy of, of California and um, what else was I doing I was stockpiling whiskey um, <laughs> and um, and and fishing tackle basically because I just basically lived in the woods for most of 2020 but yep I think uh, don't fuck with cats that, that little window of time when don't fuck with cats and then Christmas hit the New Year's and then um, you know and then uh, Tiger King. <laughs> it's like that, that, that. Those Tiger King and Don't Fuck with Cats are a nice little bookend of time because you know we had the unfortunate um, we had the unfortunate uh, election situation uh, go down. So <laughs> Netflix was a nice spoon of sugar to go with our medicine. Okay, so Tiger King. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I meant uh, don't fuck with cats. So, let's jump right into it. So, it's three episodes, okay? They're about an hour long. And the first, okay, I'm, I'm just going to break it down by episode, okay? So, episode one, we're introduced to a woman named Dina Thompson. And she goes by the, um, like, Facebook handle, her, like, little, her, like, fake name on uh, Facebook is Body Moving. Okay? And then there's a... We're also introduced to a guy named John Green. That's also an alias. So, um... They will guide us through this wild story about this guy named Luca Magnata. And Luca Magnata, over a period of two years, between 2010 and 2012, uploaded five... Um, I mean, to my to my knowledge, at least five uh, gruesome videos online, and the first was entitled "One Boy, Two Kittens." It was uploaded onto YouTube. Uh, I'm I'm sure it was uploaded other places as well, but it was uploaded to YouTube where the video is is basically this. There's two kittens that are playing on a bed and then a person appears on camera and they're a little bit obscured you can't see them too well they're wearing like a like a like a dark hoodie and um but you can tell it's like a white dude and two kittens are playing on the bed and then the guy comes into frame and then places both the kittens into a large clear plastic bag it's the type of bag used for vacuum sealing so kittens go into the bag and both cats are sealed inside of the bag and then he uses a vacuum to suck all the air out of the bag sealing the bag okay and ultimately suffocating both the kittens to death 
Yeah, so the disgust and outrage over this video um, was, I mean, it spread far and wide. People were pretty disgusted by this, and and um, they should they should be. <laughs> it's it's uh, I mean. Besides, like, a newborn baby, is there anything more disgusting than just killing a little baby kitten? <laughs> That's so fucked up. Um, but, yeah, the outrage was was running wild, and it, it caused this Facebook group to form of basically concerned citizens, internet detectives to form... Uh, and they had only one purpose and I'm talking thousands of people joined this Facebook group and their one purpose was to hunt down this guy in the video Luca Magnata and we got to find this guy now at the time they didn't know his name they just had the videos all they had was the videos to go on so the group got to work they started looking at the video breaking it down and dissecting every frame of the video to determine the who, what, when, where, why of it all. I mean, analyzing everything in the video from light sockets to bedspreads, vacuums, any kind of, uh, well, later to be found, like red herrings, things to kind of throw people off the scent, placed into the video and in... um, visual and audio form so clearly the person who made the video was playing a game they understood that anyone watching it might try to dissect the film and determine who he is, where he is and he wanted to throw people off the scent so that was the one boy, two kittens video. And um, I wasn't really privy to that video when it came out. I was I had no idea about it. Actually, I had no idea about this entire story until 2019, you know. And this took place in Canada. Just, you know, it's weird that the type of shit that happens in Canada that just doesn't, just isn't covered in the United States. Like, major shit happens all the time in Canada. You just never fucking hear about it. Except, I mean, most recently, probably, you know, the pandemic. Um, just sort of the, 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 the lockdown laws in Canada compared to the United States is like, it's like, you, you thought, you thought it was rough in the United States. Like, fuck, Canada was rough, real rough. But so, okay. After the initial video, comes out one boy two kittens a second video uh, was posted not long afterwards the video was basically a uh, part two of one boy two kittens this time showing more of the aftermath of the um, the killing of the two kittens so what you have now is um, is uh, Luca uh, again, they don't know who this guy is yet, but, you know, just for reference, I'm just going to call him by his name because that's <laughs> that's who did it. So we have Luca p- 
playing with the deceased felines and enjoying a, a cigarette with the song um, Imagine by John Lennon is playing in the background. And along with some... So the video itself, you have the video and then sort of you have some kind of like still photos kind of connected um, to the video. Okay, so it's like you're watching the video and all of a sudden it becomes kind of like a little video, quick video montage. Now, the documentary, I don't know, it almost, I don't know if this is exactly true or if the documentary just inferred it or maybe I took it the wrong way, but it, it almost seemed like that the the photos were sent to the Facebook group. Okay, so the video's online and then separate, like just still pictures were sent to the Facebook group. I don't know if that's necessarily what happened, but but the, the pictures that we get are the picture of the two kittens again, but they're uh, laying on a shelf inside of a refrigerator and a photo of uh, the kitten killer, uh, Luca, holding the kittens before they die. It's a photo of him holding him, and he's wearing the same hoodie and everything. And you can see the kittens, but his face is pixelated. You can't see his face. So, okay, so now this, this, this Facebook group knows that they're dealing with somebody who is is playing a game they they're he's making these videos and he knows that he's being um, he knows that there's people out there actively trying to find him but he wants people to try to catch him he wants that chase right so but where this this documentary really shines is is the detective work and and the patience spread over years in an attempt to catch this guy. Because there was about, I guess, 18 months from the initial CAD video to, you know, when, uh, you know, this guy actually gets caught. But it is really remarkable what this group of people did. And these are to my knowledge uh, knowledge none of them are you know law enforcement or anything like that they're just regular people who have uh you know you know pretty good detective skills in terms of like trying to track someone down on the internet so like for instance they did figure out that he was um in Canada uh even though he threw a bunch of fucking curveballs at them to indicate that he was maybe in Russia that he was maybe in fucking South Africa like he he took time to make sure that he wouldn't be able to be tracked easily and he put all these kind of like all these fucking alternate routes just to kind of throw people off uh, off track but they figured out he was in Canada they found out his name Luca McNada and they found out that he was putting clues in his videos and pictures like breadcrumbs as if to say, catch me if you can. So 
after the group kind of hit some dead ends, uh, there was a period of time where Luca wasn't posting anything and no one really had anything, any new leads. But, um, and the, and the Facebook book, the Facebook group began to dwindle. The whereabouts of Luca Magnata were unknown and the, and then leads started to dry up, but then two videos in one day dropped. And then like the whole group kind of woke up, you know? So they got two videos in one day. One was called bath time, LOL. And it was posted to YouTube where in the video, a grown cat is taped with almost like, almost like packaging tape taped to the end of a broom. And then it's lowered so picture a, a cat taped to the end of a broom handle. And you see the cat lowered into a bathtub filled with water. And the cat drowns. That's the first video. The next was uploaded to the now defunct website, liveleak.com. And in this video, uh, Luca feeds a kitten to a python. Okay, so he's on, he's on the, uh, he's playing with the kitten on on a bed. Also, Luca's dressed like Santa Claus for, you know, for some reason. He's dressed like Santa Claus, and he's playing with this kitten, and then he kind of steps away from the bed, and you can see the kitten kind of like walking around on the bed. And kind of tucked in the corner where the pillows are, there is a yellow python kind of curled up in a ball. And you might not see it at first, but it's, it's fucking sitting there. And then the kitten comes up, and uh, the python, of course, fucking attacks, crushes, and eats the, eats the kitten. So after these... Uh, viral videos um, get some uh, let's call it Luca warm media attention mm, yeah that's right there's online serial killer puns on this episode so really Luca wanted he wanted attention at this point. The, the it was the group figured out that this dude wants attention. He wants people to see these videos and he wants people to react and he wants people to try to, you know, come after him. He's trying to get people to chase him. So Luca assuming a fake identity sends taunting emails to uh, journalists stating that he'll never be caught. He'll keep making videos, and next time it'll be a human. Next time he makes a video, it probably won't be a cat. It'll probably be a human. So now he's getting... Because, you know, this is someone who's just begging for attention. So he's going to do whatever he can to provoke that as much as he can. So he sends threatening messages to under an assumed name. Uh, to uh, Dina Thompson uh, body moving on Facebook uh, 
and it was like a it was basically like Dina Thompson's like a she's like a data analyst for a casino in Las Vegas. That's where she lives, right? And uh, she ends up getting well, the group rather the Facebook group ends up getting a message from like a sock puppet account, and it's a video of the casino floor, like someone filming walking around on the casino floor of her work. And she's like, oh shit, this fucking guy knows where I work. And so she was understandably uh, concerned about this. So they realized that Luca has infiltrated the Facebook group and is now threatening its members, not directly. You know, it's not like he's sending a message being like, bitch, you better watch fucking back. Like nothing like that. It's more of like, he just sends a video of her work, you know, as if to say like, bitch, I know where you live. I know where you work. I know where you are. And I just put out a message saying, <laughs> I, I just put a message out to the world saying that like my next video, I'm going to fucking kill somebody. So it's just stressful. <laughs> it's just body moving is, uh, is, uh, in a distressful, uh, place at this uh, at this point and um right about there is where the first episode ends okay obviously i left out a bunch of details because uh you know i i i think if you haven't seen it already um i think you should go see this uh you know i think you should see this little mini series but let me jump now to episode two of don't fuck with cats hunting an internet killer so we have, again, we have uh, John Green and um, and John Green, he's kind of like one of the main dudes in the group, like John Green and Body Moving, from what I understand. I mean, no other people showed up for the documentary, so I don't know how many other like people who were kind of like leading this group. Um, but John Green, he's, he's kind of the guy who does all the, he does, he does all the really boring technical work like he goes through every video and analyzes everything in it and then tries to determine like you know he knows how to find people let's put it that way so john green sends body moving a video from the now defunct website uh bestgore.com and i know some type of form of best gore exists now i don't know if it's actually connected to the original bestgore.com website or not but who knows it has similar content i guess um and a lot of if you if you and i and i don't blame you if you don't but uh well a lot of websites like that they're um it's a lot of just like violent videos of like car crashes and people getting shot and people getting robbed and stabbed and cartel videos of people getting their heads cut off like shit like that people set on fire people being attacked by animals shit like that and videos websites like that kind of survive by placing ads on their websites and clearly you're not going to get a lot of ads for uh i don't know i don't know uh, uh like audi you're not <laughs> or uh, Apple, you're like you're not going to get companies like that coming around 
trying to put their ads on bestgore.com. So you get a lot of porn ads uh, in websites like that. So you're sort of, when you see these websites, it's just like, you're just inundated with like violent, extreme gore and, and, and porn. So it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's upsetting. Um, I mean, there are some websites that are similar that are a little less gratuitous, you know, uh, they're more just an archive of disturbing videos. You know, they don't make the fucking their website look like, you know, a fucking 12 year old boy's MySpace account or some shit. You know? So. So John Green sends body moving a video um, and and the video that he sends was the infamous the infamous one lunatic one ice pick video and the video like I was familiar okay so I was familiar with this video it was kind of at a time where you know two girls one cup was a thing and three guys one hammer and then there was you know one lunatic one ice pick now I've heard of this video and I've seen I've seen some short clips of it but I wasn't really I didn't realize how long the video is it's like it's over 10 minutes long I think the version I saw was only like a minute well it was probably like a couple minutes and um and I did rewatch it for this episode because it's really this video is the one that really um, amped up the investigative part of this story, not only for our Facebook group, but also um, actually involving the police, you know, both, both local uh, Canadian police and international police. And in the one lunatic, one ice pick video, it depicts uh, Luca stabbing an unconscious man who's tied to a bed repeatedly with an ice pick. And then um, also he kills a small black dog that's also in the video. It's a... Uh, it's sort of a lockdown shot looking at like a bed and uh, the soon to be victim is his hands, his, his like wrists are tied onto the like backboard of the, uh, of the bed and um, he's naked and above the bed is like a big poster of the movie Casablanca, which is clearly visible sort of center frame. And in the background, you hear the song True Faith by the band New Order. Guy's tied to a bed. Luca comes into frame. You know, it's like a minute or two of just sort of like, you're not sure exactly what's going to happen. And then he just starts stabbing the guy in the sort of chest and torso area just repeatedly. And it goes on for a while, just stabbing, 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 stabbing. And then... After this, you have, well, you you basically, um, the camera cuts a few times to a couple different angles. It, it depicts um, 
the body being dismembered after the victim is uh, is dead. You have, um, you know, the victim's uh, legs are cut off. Um, his head is cut off. Um, you don't see all of this. Sometimes the camera would cut, and then the head is just severed. And you can see... Luca's hand because he's holding the camera and his hand is sort of playing with the severed head and then it would cut to another uh, shot where he's like cutting the victim's arm off and uh, using he's basically playing with the arm and using the hand to masturbate himself and uh, he cuts off the legs he there's there's a it cuts again, and he's actually having anal sex with the corpse briefly. And then there's also a part where you see a, his hands come into frame with a fork and knife, and he starts cutting into the into the the butt cheek of the victim, and eventually gets a piece of it cut off. And and presumably it's off camera, but you you assume that he the piece that he cut off with a fork and knife he ate. So uh, we also may be dealing with a little bit of cannibalism on top of the murder and necrophilia. So things have definitely escalated from just some person killing cats on the internet. Now he's graduated to people. Which I'm, which is always that's the pattern, right? That's always the dread um, of serial killers. You know, they start with small prey and then they work themselves up to larger prey. This video became infamous, even you know, obviously before this documentary. And but I can, you know, I I'm watching this documentary, and I can only imagine that more documentaries about um, other internet death videos will surface in the future. And, you know, I, uh, a part of me feels like that's really kind of sensationalism and exploitation. And, but when I look back through time, um, you know, I, I'm old enough to remember well, most recently, there was a serial killer in my, you know, in Northern California near where I grew up in Stockton. Um, there, there was a serial killer on the loose there and they just caught the guy, you know, and I'm old enough to remember Jeffrey Dahmer. I'm old enough to remember BTK killer, DC shooters, Unabomber, uh, John Wayne Gacy being executed. Uh, you know, I saw a bunch of Charles Charles Manson stuff. You know, it's like these people just existed. And we live in a world now where, uh, I mean, for a while now, it's been, it seems like there's just not, there's like no serial, serial killers around anymore. And I don't think that there's no serial killers around anymore. I just feel like um, sort of the media or whoever feels that like maybe covering serial killers is not a worthwhile thing to be, you know, having as content on the, on the news. 
which I understand, but at the same time, I find that um, people having situational awareness and protecting themselves and their families and those around them and like just knowing things like this, like um, people like Luca Magnata or or whoever, take your pick, or Ted Bundy or you know Jeffrey Dahmer, like just knowing those people are out there will kind of help you keep your head on a swivel and be a little more aware of the type of people that you, um, you know, you know, come across. Like, maybe keep an eye on your drink at the bar in case someone puts some shit in it. And maybe don't get into a car with a random stranger. Like, things like that. I, I Even though this is exploitation, which I, I it's definitely exploitation, but I also feel that um, it is serving some type of public service i don't think it's just entertainment at the expense of murder victims but it rides a line it rides a very very thin line and um yeah i think there'll there'll definitely be more internet death video documentaries that come out like what was it netflix did one on the um the cecil hotel um that one I don't I don't find was quite as good. It wasn't nearly as the quality of uh, Don't Fuck with Cats. Um, and the Cecil Hotel was like I remember seeing the, the video that that whole documentary is based on. It's like a woman goes into this elevator and the doors won't close, and it's like a camera shot from inside. It's like a inside the elevator and. Um, it's like a surveillance camera and you see this woman kind of acting a little paranoid and erratic and, um, you know, and then like the next day that woman's body ends up in a water tank on the roof of that same hotel and no one knows what happened to this woman. You know, it's a big mystery, but it started from that internet video. So who knows maybe a uh, two girls one cup documentary will come out or um, a three guys one hammer documentary which I would watch uh, I'd probably watch either one of those you know but, but I mean <laughs> in, in in all seriousness probably more so the uh, three guys one hammer um, if there was a documentary there might even be one I, I don't know but that one was an actual case in Russia that was followed by the media. The killers were caught. Um, you know, they put disturbing photos and videos of them killing animals, killing people on the internet, and they ended up getting caught. And then you find out that they, this group of killers were a couple of teenage boys. You know, it's scary. And they don't look like monsters, they just look like regular young fellows you know um who knows you know who knows what kind of horrifying shit will be released on netflix in the future but um i think the public has a real taste for this now and this type of content um well there'll be a lot more of it in the future you know supply and demand and all that right uh, and I'm going to get a little, I'm not going to get too conspiratorial, uh, conspiracy minded rather. I'm going to get more of kind of examining things in the documentary that I feel were rather deliberately left out 
um, to more to more highlight other parts of the story, or um, I don't know. There's just some things that kind of left me curious, and I'm not the only one. Uh, there's been a lot of the people online on Reddit, on a lot of places that are like, "What's up with this?" and in in don't fuck with cats, and how come this is there, and why is this missing, and you know. I mean, it's a, you know, not, not to, uh, not to shit on the documentary because I think it's very good. Um, but if, you know, you're a, a true crime enthusiast, um, and you've dug into the story a little bit, you know, that there's a bunch of shit missing, you know, this is about as, uh, I don't know. This is about as PG, um, about as PG of a version of the um, of this <laughs> of the events of this story that that can possibly be presented, even though the documentary is is disturbing. But yeah, there's there's a lot of photos of Luca that are on the um, online, you know, and a lot of them are taken in such a way where it's just like someone else is taking the photos it's not like him doing a selfie it's not i mean it's possible he just walks around with a tripod or you know he's like hey could you take my picture it's like it's more likely there's someone else with him and a lot of these and like a lot of that's not explained so who's taking these photos and i mean it's a lot of fucking photos that you know, he's had a, he had a lot of like fake Facebook uh, accounts and shit like that, where he basically um, set up like Facebook like pages that were almost like fan pages to him, where it was sort of presented like the like people who are fans of him made these Facebook accounts, when in reality, it's very high odds that all these fake Facebook accounts were made by Luca and ran by him, and even the even the comments made by fans quote unquote were actually him also you know and i'm talking like i don't know more than 70 facebook accounts <laughs> that are just dedicated to him um created by so-called fans but uh, i don't know about this about this point in the documentaries where i'm just like hmm i feel like there's this isn't like straightforward reporting. I feel like I'm starting to feel the narrative that there is a narrative in place in this documentary. It's a, it's about around this time. So we jump to the uh, they miraculously deduce the group <laughs> they 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 deduce that Luca may be in Montreal, and they kind of go through that process of how they figured that out, and it's it's pretty cool actually. And now our internet sleuths need to establish contact with the Montreal police that there is a murderer that lives in their city. And I mean, I mean, I think they have enough compelling information for the, you know, the police to maybe, you know, take a look at this, take a look at this situation. We got a guy killing cats. We got a guy threatening to kill a person and then there's a video of the guy kill, killing a person so there's a chain of evidence spread over a timeline and um, so yeah they try to contact the Montreal police and um, they're they're kind of hitting a lot of dead ends 
because most of the Facebook group, but particularly Body Movin' and John Green, they live in they live in the United States. So a janitor at this Montreal apartment building is uh, taking out the trash and he finds a locked suitcase like uh, kind of in the trash area of this apartment building that he works at. And this suitcase has fucking like maggots all over it. Not a good sign. And inside this suitcase is the torso of what appears to be a white male. All the evidence of the crime was also in the nearby trash. So the victim's clothes, um, Luca's Ontario driver's license, and uh, bank statements, like pieces of paper from Luca's bank. There was uh, bloody blankets that were thrown in there and the, the, the Casablanca poster from the uh, one ice one lunatic one ice pick video was in there the they also found knives and saws with flesh and blood stuck to them and receipts from a pharmacy with Luca's address and that address was from that apartment building so it's not like he tried to like get rid of the evidence at a you know a separate location. He literally like killed some guy in his fucking apartment and then threw him in the fucking garbage. So is this more like Luca <laughs> kind of putting enough evidence, making enough uh, evidence visible that like maybe he can, can like people will continue to chase after him or is he just a lazy criminal? I don't know. It's probably somewhere in the middle, right? So, so yeah. So they have they have all this garbage, and you know they have these receipts from the pharmacy that say that, uh, like, oh, fucking Luca lives at that building. So initially, because of all of these items found in the trash, and they were like kind of broken, they were like broken up amongst. It wasn't just the suitcase with the torso. There was a bunch of trash bags with all this stuff sort of uh, inside of all of them you know, collectively. But after they found the torso, uh, it led police to believe initially that uh, the torso belonged to Luca, which they found out was not the case uh, later. But they also, the police also had no idea that the one lunatic, one ice pick video existed. So all they had to go on was like the janitor calls the police. He says, there's a fucking torso in a fucking suitcase you know, uh, at his building, police come, go through the trash, go through the suitcase. They sort of come to the conclusion that the torso is uh, Luca Magnata. But when and so that's kind of where we're at right now. But the police later found um, the arms and legs from the torso, but there were no hands, no head. And no feet. Then a package addressed to the Canadian Conservative Tory Party in in uh, Canada uh, to their party headquarters specifically contained a human foot wrapped in pink paper with a poem enclosed, 
And that poem goes like this. Roses are red. Violets are blue. They will need dental records to identify you. Bitch. Yeah, so needless to say, this got plenty of media coverage, which is exactly what Luca wanted, right? Well, then a second package containing a human hand arrives at the headquarters of the Liberal Party in Canada. So now we get Body Moving and John Green and uh, the Montreal Police. Um, we, 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 get a, we get a chunk where they're sort of detailing the investigation, which is great because now we're introduced to some other people in the documentary. And there's other people along the way, but now we're actually talking to people who are there uh, conducting the investigation, like actual police now. So that's cool. Oh, there's one part where it was like a, like a homicide detective from Montreal police where it kind of details going through the apartment and the apartment was initially clean, right? They're like, there's nothing to indicate that there was a crime taken here. But then, of course, they go through, they spray luminol all over the apartment and they can tell that there was there was blood fucking everywhere uh particularly on the bed and on the wall next to the bed and they also you know luminol is basically a chemical that um it's like mixed with water and you can spray it on um any kind of surface and if you turn off the lights the luminol will glow in the dark but it's particularly sensitive to blood. So if there was blood, even if it was cleaned up, it'll leave a trace of itself behind. So they turn off the lights, they spray luminol around the room, and then you just see the fucking bed lights up. The walls light up. There's a trail on the floor where the torso was dragged across the room and then put into the bathroom and propped up against the bathroom door. Now, all this is invisible to the naked eye. But once you spray some luminol in the room, you can really kind of see what took place after the video. So, um, you know, on a lighter note, if you, if you want to see some... Uh, uh, it's uh, kind of gross, but it's uh, kind of funny. Um, uh, usages for uh, luminol... Um, there is a series on YouTube that's done by this guy named uh, Dan Bell and uh, his buddy uh, Rick Sarah. They have um, they have a show on YouTube called Another Dirty Room, and they basically travel to really shitty motels all over the country, and they will book a room, and then they'll start filming inside of the room. And they'll basically dissect an entire like motel room. Like they'll basically look at how dirty it is, and it's gross, but it's really funny. You know, you know, some places are just covered in fucking just cockroaches, and there's, uh, you know, ugh, God, it's good. they find like crack pipes under the bed, like shit like that. And but one thing that they do is they will take the they'll they'll spray luminol on the bed and turn off the lights and then some places it just looks like a fucking murder took place there <laughs> like 
it's it's gross, but it's uh, it's fun to watch. Actually, it sounds kind of uh, disgusting, and uh, but it's actually a fairly entertaining YouTube channel. Also, uh, the 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 main guy Dan Bell, he has another series on YouTube called uh, Dead the Dead Mall series, and the Dead Mall series is I don't know. It's basically him walking through sort of malls that are on the way on their way out in the United States, just sort of like older forgotten about malls and no one's there <laughs> like next to no one's there. A lot, most of the stores are shut down and it's just, most of it is sort of like kind of chill vaporwave music. And he's sort of just walking through the mall and I, it's oddly relaxing. So yeah, so go check that out. It's, <laughs> It's one of those channels I'm subscribed to, and I, I check in on from time to time. Anyways, let's jump into the third and final episode. Now, this one sort of—it's—it's it's the last episode, so they got to kind of tie up a lot of loose ends, and the—and it jumps around a lot. So they, between the second and third episode, we we establish that the victim in the one lunatic, one ice pick video is a uh, 33 year old uh, student in Canada uh, named June Lin. And uh, he's a, he, and okay. It's like they established that June Lin, who I believe uh, I could be mistaken. I believe he's from China but he came to Canada to go to school and he he was a gay man who was sort of perusing kind of uh, hookup websites, you know. And he unfortunately got hooked up with Luca Magnata and they were just going to basically just have sex and maybe video the sex and... Actually, you know what? I think they met on Craigslist. Um, that's pretty scary. Um, it was basically just a casual encounter sort of thing. And then Jun Lin meets up with with Luca, and then they go up to Luca's place, and then fucking Jun Lin, he's never seen again. You know, it's... Uh, well, alive at least. So, uh, the documentary does pay respect to... June Lin, uh, they they do interview his friends, his family, and because um, it's awful, you know, it's it's victims in a lot of these kind of true crime things. Sometimes they're kind of nameless faces, faceless, kind of forgotten about, just just victims of some crazy guy who gets all the attention. But this documentary, sort of like the Netflix uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, you know, the Evan Peters one, the one that everyone's, you know, the one everyone saw. Um, they at least go to the trouble to pay respect to the victims. And um, I, I feel in some cases the, the, the sincerity by the, you know, filmmakers is like they're just covering their ass. They just want to be like, oh, look, we care about the victims. But they really just want to profit off making a fucking exploitation, you know, movie or documentary but I, I do feel that um, the makers of don't fuck with cats have they uh, sincerely want to pay respect to the memory of June Lin because it was 
I don't advise you to watch one lunatic, one ice pick, but you know, that video does exist. And I think because of this, you know, this Netflix doc, people try to go find it on the internet to see, because they don't show much in this documentary. They don't see too much of the killings uh, at all, but they, they show enough to kind of set up what's about to happen. But, you know, the, the June Lin video is absolutely it's just it's the worst. It's the worst. It's, it's disturbing and it's, uh, it's tragic. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of a shame that even though Luca Magnata ultimately is rotting away in a prison somewhere, like he's, he's getting the attention that he wanted. And I know in the prison that he's in, he doesn't have access to TV or books or magazines or fucking anything. So I don't know to what extent his, uh, he, he's aware of his celebrity, but I know that he does get like fan mail shit like that so I'm sure his fans tell him like oh you have a Netflix show and it's fucking really popular and you're a star and it's just feeding his fucking ego but like I said it's a fucking paper thin line between exploitation and actually giving information to the public that's you know like hey be careful there's fucking crazy people on the internet maybe you shouldn't hook up with randos on fucking Craigslist because they might fucking put you in a snuff film, you know. But um, let's see. So after Luca kills June Lin, um, he flees Canada for Paris. We get uh, the perspective of some police investigators. Um, and there's also a lot of, like, CCTV and, like, surveillance camera footage and shit that kind of track him leaving Canada, him showing up in Paris... Uh, him going to his hotel, like all it's it's remarkable that they got all this footage. Um, you know, they have footage from him going to ATMs, him going to uh, you know going through a hotel lobby, shit like that. But Luca was always one step ahead of the authorities, and I mean they were on to him. You know, they were just they just barely missed him when he left Canada, and they just barely missed him when he uh, got to Paris. So. They're the authorities are on his ass. Like, you know, the chase is fucking on. It's not just some people on the internet trying to find him. And now it's like international fucking cooperation of you know police organizations are trying to fucking get this guy. What else happens? We also meet Luca's mom. Her name is Anna Yorkin. Uh, also, I should say that uh, yeah, Luca Magnata is not his real name. It's a name. It's a fake name that he legally changed his name to. Um, his real name is Eric Newman, but, um, so we meet Lucas mom and she doesn't believe that the official story that her son is some kind of internet cat killer snuff film star. She doesn't believe any of that. She believes that a, that there's this mastermind, a puppet master behind the scenes that was forcing Luca to make these videos against his will so that they can sell these videos for profit. Um, on the mysterious dark web. That's sort of her contention because Luca told her that that's what's happening. That there's this, there's a person pulling the strings behind, behind the scenes. So Luca tells his mom that this mastermind, 
um, the sort of handler who's sort of manipulating him and um, making him do these horrible things on camera uh, goes by the name Manny. Manny Lopez. And Manny and Luca met via a male escort website where Luca was selling himself as a escort. Um, and this was during a time where he was, Luca was doing modeling, acting and, and porn. But, um, he was also a stripper at one point, but basically all those, all those things kind of failed to launch. He wasn't a successful stripper. He didn't become an actor. He wasn't much of a model and his porn career didn't really go anywhere. So, but this Manny character, uh, at least according to Luca's mom, Manny began stalking Luca and then getting involved in his life. And then he made him kill cats and people on film for profit. Uh, he physically and sexually abused Luca as well as forced Luca to commit acts of uh, bestiality. Um, is this Manny character a real person? Because we never see photos, we don't see videos, we don't we don't see anything to indicate that um, you know this this Manny guy is basically a ghost. Is he real? This documentary kind of leans towards no, but the idea of such a person actually existing is not impossible, in my opinion. Um, like, uh, for, okay, so and what? Luca's mom points to is in the video where Luca's dressed like Santa Claus and he feeds the cat to the python. At the end of the video, you can see clearly, um, you can see Luca's hand touching sort of the bulge inside of the snake's stomach where the, uh, you know, the dead cat is now at. And from this angle, you can see Luca's hand touching the snake and his other hand is presumably holding the camera. So he's holding the camera in one hand and he's like touching the snake with the other. But there appears to be a second pair of hands that are also touching the snake. And Luca tells his mom that these are the hands of this mysterious Manny Lopez character. And and that's Luca's story. I've seen conflicting... Um, stuff about that particular video. A lot of people say that he just knew somebody who owned a snake and he talked them into feeding him this fucking cat that he found and uh, and filming it. And it's just some random... It's like some other fucked up person that's like him, but it's not specifically this abusive taskmaster named Manny. So we never really know if Manny's a real person, but... I've seen enough weird shit out there to suggest that somebody like that is definitely, it's possible someone like that did exist. We just, you know, we'll never know if (laughs) he's really out there or not. Now, the abuse that Luca supposedly endured from this supposed Manny had been taking place as far back as a year and a half before the murder of June Lynn. So, even even to the point of he was uh, there was a police report uh, about Luca was hospitalized after being kidnapped, gang raped and beaten and basically left for dead on a beach. Um, so 
did Luca go to the extent of like creating a fake physical and sexual assault going getting picked up by an ambulance and telling the police that this crew of uh, I don't know snuff film peddlers um, did this to him or or is, is this all just something he created knowing that a year and a half from now he was going to begin his murder career but he needed sort of a boogeyman to kind of redirect people and the authorities away from him was he thinking that far ahead I don't know it's possible but in this episode they 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 also just like I said this episode it kind of jumps all over the place and this last episode they, they really want to push this kind of very specific type of ending this sort of kind of cinematic thriller ending so Luca at a young age was obsessed with um, his with movies and his looks and movies were a way for Luca to escape childhood bull- bullies that tormented him for his bisexuality and God knows what else his kids are awful to each other uh, and in these films films like Casablanca Basic Instinct, Catch Me If You Can, American Psycho. He can sort of create his own world where he is the star. And he's not the victim. He's the one who's the victimizer. And uh, a lot of dots are connected in sort of a ham-fisted way to kind of make the climax of the end of this documentary more exciting. But I think it, in a way, does a disservice to everything that led up to that point. Because everything kind of was more of a straightforward true crime type of thing and now we're kind of straying away from the investigative side of the of the story to kind of go into this like oh we here's sort of here's sort of evidence of what his true motives were even though it's it's not terribly important but it's it's a little more it's a little juicier it's a little it's got a little more sizzle than just like you know, this guy was sick and he killed some, he killed a guy and he killed a bunch of cats and he was probably going to kill more people. And then he got caught at the end. You know, that's, that's not too exciting, but so for instance, there's also, I mean, there's almost no mentions or details about Luca's trial. It's completely brushed over. Also, by the time Luca flees Paris, John Green and body move have pretty much used up their usefulness in the story so I mean this but but don't fuck with cats kind of paints itself into a corner because John Green and Body Movin are the narrators so they have to stay in till the end they don't mention his narcissistic personality disorder his history of hearing voices him and his father's schizophrenia his obsession with cosmetic surgery or or cannibalizing the body of June Lin like none of that is mentioned and those are all things that happened but they're just not mentioned in this uh, there's very few interviews of with persons who actually knew Luca personally besides his mom people like um his ex-girlfriend, uh, a trans woman named Barbie Swallows. 
I'm going to say that again. Luca Magnata's ex-girlfriend's name was Barbie Swallows. And I've seen interviews with Barbie Swallows. And um, Barbie Swallows seems, you know, you know, is pretty forthcoming with uh, her relationship with uh, with Luca Magnata. And she kind of knew that he was a little fucked up. And but also, you know, realized that he wasn't really boyfriend material. And they sort of, you know, they naturally just kind of broke up. What else is it mentioned? There's no mention of the remains, the remaining limbs, rather, of, of June Lin. His, because they only talk about left hand, left foot, and then the torso was found. And, but they kind of, they, they don't even mention that his right foot and hand was mailed to two uh, schools in Vancouver. And, um, like, that's not mentioned. Um, his head was recovered near a lake in, uh, near Montreal. That's not mentioned. Uh, Luca Magnata was eventually arrested in an internet cafe in Berlin, thanks to the the desk clerk at the cafe who recognized him from the news and was fortunate enough to, um, have like a dozen cops that happened to be passing by his cafe while Luca was inside of the cafe. So he basically like told the cops, like, come here, there's that guy that's on TV you guys are looking for, he's in here. And then boom, that's how Luca Magnata got caught. And so Luca Magnata's life on the lamb comes to an end. And um that's pretty much it. That's the story of don't fuck with cats and um what happened to Luca? Well, let's 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 get into that. In 2014, he was found guilty of multiple crimes including first-degree murder, committing an indignity an indignity to a human body and uh publishing obscene material and uh, as well as criminally harassing the then prime minister of Canada um Stephen Harper and uh mailing obscene and indecent material so Luca is currently housed in a maximum security prison in Quebec, Canada, serving a life sentence. And uh, he's also happily married to a fellow inmate. And um yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much that. Uh don't fuck with cats, hunting an internet killer. Uh I like it a lot. I find it really interesting. Um you know, uh, if you if you watch this and you never follow up on looking into anything else about this story, um, you know, I think that's fine. Um, but when you kind of dig deeper into it, you realize that the documentary left out a ton of shit. And at the end, they were, you know, oh god, I get what the what the the guy, I get what the director was doing at the very very end. So basically, at the very very end, body moving, uh, Dina Thompson. There's like this scene where like she turns and looks right at the camera. She like breaks the fourth wall and is like, like, are you complicit with people like Luca Magnata and all this shit? Like, maybe we should all turn off our computers, like turn turn off the machine. And I don't I don't get what the what that was about, but uh, I don't know. It was it's fine, whatever. Um, 
it's just a weird way to end it because again like I said we after Luca gets caught in Berlin there's not much in the ways of like explaining what happened during the trial what happened to the rest of recovering Junlin's body parts there's no um, you know there's not there's not much of any of that at all so I had to go look up that shit myself and there's a bunch of it so um you know, but again, I I do like this Netflix limited series, documentary, whatever you want to call it. I, I enjoy it a lot and I definitely recommend it. Mm. Well, you know what, guys? I'm going to cut it off right there. It's very good to be back. And um, I will have a new Patreon episode coming up very soon. And um, so stay tuned for that. You can find me on Instagram at skeleton underscore factory. You could support the show at patreon.com forward slash skeleton factory, where I am currently putting up um, audio episodes. Um, You can sign up and become a patron. And I'm also on Twitter at SF podcast, a T X. And, uh, that's it. (laughs) Thanks for listening guys. Um, it's very nice to be back and I'm going to have a whole bunch of, uh, stuff coming out very, very soon. So this is the skeleton factory podcast, rescuing your movie night, one movie at a time. I am Adam. I will catch you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.